This is Masks Off. I am Tia Fagan. And I'm Kim Gross. Who are you behind the masks you wear? We are here to have real conversations about how to live a more empowered and authentic life. So join us, remove your masks, live your life. Hello, everyone. It's another episode of Masks Off. I'm Tia. And I'm Kim. And today we are going to talk about the golden child mask. So I don't know if that resonates immediately with any of you listening, but it definitely resonates with Kim for sure. And even though I'm an only child, I can see how parts of this shows up in my life, even though I didn't have siblings to compete with. So the quote we have is from Alexander Bergmeister. These children, meaning the golden children, these children don't just want to satisfy their parents. They feel obligated and responsible for doing so. It becomes a significant part of their identity. So, golden child, Kim. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. What would you like to share about this mask that you're so familiar with? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I I just had to say, look how many freaking masks I have. I just learned recently that I have the bully mask, too, underneath. Oh, geez. No, just teasing. Um, Let's see. Uh, Golden child mask. I'm oldest child. So I think sometimes you can see that pattern. Older child is often the golden child. But, you know, I've shared many times before that up until I was nine, that I was in school, at least just an average student and I was quiet. I was complacent. I um, never would consider giving the teacher a hard time or speaking up and disrupting the class. Like Mm -hmm. I was just really well, well behaved, I guess, and and air quotes, well behaved. (laughs) And then, you know, when I had that teacher in fifth grade, tell my mom that I was capable of so much more. And then, you know, it's like, uh, ding, 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 ding. Like, you know, I heard this Light, this light bulb went on. Yeah. It was like, oh, okay. So then I started to apply myself more and I started to get the good grades and I would bring the report card home. And I can remember the first time I brought it home, how elated, elated my mother was like, oh my gosh, this is fantastic. And then my aunt, um, who I was very close with, she didn't have any children. So she was like a second mom. And, you know, I think I shared too, she would give me, you know, like $5 for every A or something. Mm -hmm. So she was so excited. Oh, Kimmy. Oh my God. It's so great. So then I started to do well in school, but then that wasn't enough. I had started doing well as an athlete because I was athletic. So I started to play sports and then, you know, it was like, coming to my softball games. And if I was, I was the golden child. Oh, Kim, you know, she hit the winning run or in soccer, look, you know, blah, blah, blah. When I was in eighth grade and I was 13, when it was graduation, not only like I was president of the student council and had to give the speech at graduation night. Oh, wow. 
like cleaned up all these awards at graduation night. Like I can remember to this day, like the feeling of being on cloud nine and just, you know, being the golden child, but it was like also, so, and also with that is a lot of pressure because then you're not, I think the golden child mask and the overachiever mask go very hand in hand. So then I'm overachieving, but that's a lot of pressure that I would then continue to put on myself throughout high school, getting college and continuing to perform. Right. For externals. For all the externals so that I could be the golden child of the family. So while all this, because all this dysfunction was going on, with all the other family members that at least when I did something well or something right, it gave those family members the opportunity for a moment Mm -hmm. to vicariously feel good about themselves through my achievements. And the da- there's many downsides to this. There, yeah. there were so many um, negative impacts on me to have to wear the golden child mask. And then, you know, the reasons why my mom would do it or my dad would not like, well, my, I'll put my dad aside for a moment, but my mom, you know, would enable me to mm-hmm. wear that mask, right? Because it, it did something for her. There was a payoff for her. Wouldn't even say enable. She encouraged it. She encouraged it. She encouraged it for sure. So that's where it becomes like they, the golden child feel so that these children just want to satisfy their parents. So it wasn't even like, yes, it wasn't in terms of school and my achievements to try to satisfy my mom, but even still, I was always trying to please her mm-hmm. to satisfy her needs or satis- make her happy. It was like, right. And that was probably even from a much younger age that I felt this responsibility from a very mm-hmm. early age that it was my job to make my mom happy because anytime she was angry or sad, I felt like, I don't know if I always felt that I caused it, but I felt like I had to fix it for her because I couldn't stand to see her upset. And that's what I was going to ask you. Cause you started out with the academics yeah, at fifth grade Yep. And how you stepped into that golden child role. But I was curious, and you actually just brought yeah. it up. It's like, it didn't just probably start there. Because to step into golden child, I mean, that like starts, you know, not typically in fifth grade, especially because it's not like that's when your younger sibling showed up when you were in fifth grade. Right. You know, because how far apart are you again? We are five years apart. Yeah. So, you know golden child came into play probably around that age, I would guess, or earlier. Yeah. But knowing that it just showed up in academics at that point, prior to that, you were already, Hey, I got to make my mom happy. I got to help her out. I got to do what needs to be done because when she's happy, it's easier to be okay. Yeah, And to behave, right. Mm -hmm. To behave so that I didn't upset her. Right. Because she was upset a lot from other people upsetting her. So I didn't want to upset her. And so a lot of times I would just 
be out of sight, out of mind, like just remove myself from even being around her just so that I wouldn't, you know, get her upset kind of thing. So there was, there was that level of that, but it was also just like being like the really good girl. I mean, I can remember, actually, you're right. I think it was even younger than nine or 10 when she would take me to uh, relatives houses. She used to take me to this one aunt Vi's house and I could like, it's true when they say how some Italians definitely put the plastic on the furniture. <laughs> like my aunt Vi had all her furniture covered yeah. in plastic. But you know what? The thing is my mother took me to all of these relatives homes with her because I would just sit there mm-hmm. on the couch, not move, be totally quiet, be seen, but not heard. And my mother didn't have to worry about me being like a rambunctious little child running around the house, causing a problem. Uh, and I would imagine she probably got, oh, she's so well-behaved. Look at her. Yep. She's just, what an amazing kid you are. You know, yep. so I'm guessing you probably had that messaging. Yeah. Because your mom wouldn't have brought you if, likely, Otherwise. from what you've, you've shared, because then she would have looked bad. Yeah. And I have to say, I mean, I can't remember for sure, but I don't know if I remember my sister coming along a lot to those things. Yeah. I just remember doing those a lot with my mother. So, um, and you know, these are like traditional, like conservative Italian relatives. They wouldn't have put up with, with that kind of behavior anyway. So I think you're right. I think for my mom, it wouldn't look good for her. Right. If, if I was running around the house or whining, like, mm. I want to go, like, I want to go, mom, when, come are on, like, when are we leaving? Can I have some this more cookies? <laughs> yeah. Like if any of that was happening, like, yeah. So, so definitely children are to be seen, but not heard. For sure. And you took for that sure. messaging to heart. I did. And then it became like, it became a very big, significant part of my personality mm. or my identity because- yes as the quote says, because I didn't know that there was any other way to be. I had adopted that so early on that mask. And I wore that mask so tightly and so well that I didn't know there was another way there was, I thought that's just was my identity and who I was. How would you know? I, I know, you know, because who knows what happened when you did misbehave at a young age. You know, you, I, you know, you probably got a reaction from your mother. Yeah. As many of us did, you know, because so much of parenting, and it's not your mom's fault, right? We're no, not, of course not. Just for <clears throat> listeners, we're not like judging or yeah, any 100%, of that. Because no. so many of us were raised in their generation of kids are supposed to behave. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's why there was a lot more spanking and a lot more of that. I mean, not that that's, that still goes on today, but less so. It's less tolerated, you know, because it was correcting behavior that was out of line. That absolutely made up out of line behavior when it's just most of the time kids being kids or figuring things out. And, and it just is like a generational kind of thing because, right. and that saying of you, you live what you learn early on. I did that with my own kids. You know, yeah. I remember saying things like, oh, Ryan's such a good sleeper. 
Mm, or right. Ryan's such a good sleeper. And I can remember some of my relatives, like my aunts, when I would travel with him, Oh, he's so good. He's so easy, you know, and like, he's like, I would take him anywhere on a plane and go down and see, you know, relatives and whatnot. I don't think I did with Angela. (laughs) Poor Angela. I'm sorry. And, but no, I really think like (laughs) she was, you know, from day one, she was more challenging Mm -hmm. in terms of her sleep, in terms of like everything. I think I shared before I used that sleep. I slept on the floor in her room so she wouldn't climb out of her crib. You know, just, she just gave me more of a run for my money right from the get-go. So in that sense, Ryan was like the golden child baby and he was older, first child, she's second child. And so that's really interesting, you know, just making those kind of statements and having the energy behind it. That's where, you know, the generational Mm -hmm. patterns can continue. And then thankfully, you know, I think I also have shared that when she was around 10 or 11 years old, that when she was um, playing soccer or she was around other moms and she would just be her assertive self and just say what was on her mind. And it sounded super disrespectful to me. Like she was disrespecting me, but she was, I knew she was just being Angela. I knew that that was who she was. And in the beginning, this was like before I really did Dr. Shivali's work, Mm -hmm. I would want to like, I did cringe inside because like, oh my God, what do they think? I can't control my kid. Judgment, 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 (laughs) judgment. But then I am so grateful, so grateful to start reading Dr. Shivali and learn her work because I I let that go. I'm like, Mm -hmm. no. This is who she is. She's just being herself. I'm not going to silence her because I'm worried about other mothers judging exactly. me or if those other moms are uncomfortable and they're like, oh, Angela's too much. She's too much. Mm, no, yeah. she's just being herself and saying what she honestly thinks and feels on the inside. Right. And so many girls were squashed when they were too much. Right. And so we yeah. have this whole imbalance in our society of that. You know, it's just, it's interesting. I mean, even just like the, you know, the fact that so many girls would were too much if they voiced something because it might offend somebody, but you allowed her to say that. And what an amazing thing, because she's just speaking her mind, you know, That's and if, if there's a line crossing, you have a conversation around it. Like, yeah. hey, you know. I would appreciate it if you said that differently next time or pull me aside or whatever, but we're so worried about what other people think. And so the golden child mask moms, the parents are like, look at my kid and thinking it's a reflection of them in a good way. (laughs) When in reality, you're actually squashing, like your voice was squashed. And like you talked about in the episode, the other one, um, the bully mask that my way or the yeah. highway learning to assert yourself more because you weren't allowed to wasn't allowed to. golden children don't assert themselves no. especially girl golden children yep it's be seen and not heard mm-hmm. be seen and so i mean we share this particular mask in this particular episode 
probably for two reasons. One, to see if you can identify if the golden child mask is still really alive and well in you, you know, now as an adult. And then secondly, if you have children, like, you know, do you do what I was doing with my kids and, you know, or if you're going to have kids in the future, it's a good opportunity to hear this and to, you know, do your best to not impose that on your child to create that golden child mask because it sounds like it's a good mask to wear, doesn't it? Like golden child, like, Oh, I want to wear that one. That sounds like fun. That's a good mask to wear, but it's, but it's not, there's a lot of not only that, but it was a huge setup for my sister because I wore the golden child mask. It was a huge setup for her because she could never follow in my footsteps, no matter how hard she tried. Because there's only one golden child. There's only one. And that was not her fault. And that had a lot of like negative ripple effect on her. So, you know. Yeah, that's um, a good point to bring up. Yeah. So if we can at all minimize creating those masks in our children, it's, it's that much better for them. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and then remembering like the golden child mask, as you were talking, it's like, it's such a big umbrella of other masks. Perfectionist, people yes. pleaser, all these Overachiever. things. Yep. You know, it's like, ooh, that one really casts a wide net. <laughs> it does. That's why I have all those under there. I have the victim. <laughs> I have the people pleaser. I have all of those. So anyway, so are you complete with this I one? Am. I am. Okay. It's a big one. Yeah. Thank you, everybody. This was a great conversation. And as always, we do love and appreciate your support. If you enjoyed the content of this video, give us a like or a thumbs up. We would so appreciate it. Thanks so much. Take care. Bye. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Masks Off. If you enjoyed this episode, please hit subscribe and share with friends and family. Check out the show notes for how to contact us. Remove your masks. Live your life. See you next time on Masks Off.